One of my favorite things about the Bible is just how consistent it is, especially how it paints the same pictures of God over and over again as a merciful, patient, and gracious being. God never changes, and that means that the God we experience in the New Testament as Jesus Christ is the same God as the Old Testament. But many people stumble with this because they don't believe the Bible, nor do they bother to really read it all the way through to see its incredibly consistent message of grace and faith. They trip up over countless judgments God delivered over rebellious nations. They stumble over the sacrifices required for people to be in His presence, and at the verses taken out of context where God says that He's a jealous God, or that He will bring evil upon a nation as punishment. All of these misunderstandings are because these people fundamentally do not trust God. That's not a hard thing to imagine because anyone who doesn't trust you or know your character will very likely misinterpret your actions or your goals. If this is true between people, which it is, imagine how much more applicable it is between a person and God, the infinite, uncreated, perfect, and holy Lord of all things. The truth is that the Old and New Testaments show the same God with the same plan and same desires. In Leviticus 19, God instructs the Israelites to love their neighbor as themselves, the same thing Jesus revealed that many know today as the Golden Rule. There are also countless pictures of God acting mercifully and graciously through the various people He chose throughout history like Moses, David, and the prophets. We have to remember that before Christ, the sin of the world was an outstanding debt that humanity had to pay. A debt that very much grew like today's national debt, increasing every day with no hope of redemption. To a holy and perfectly just God, justice must be served. If God does not execute swift justice on the evil, then how can he possibly be perfectly good? If God allows the debt to just keep growing and growing without ever calling it in, How can God be counted on as the ultimate judge of the universe? This is why the arrival of Jesus is so important in our timeline. It demarcates a fundamental shift in how God relates to us and how we can relate to him. Because of Jesus, that debt was paid and God's holy justice is forever appeased. The last words of Christ on the cross were, It is finished. But in the original language, this is more like, It is paid in full. The death of Jesus on the cross is a profoundly sobering reminder of how seriously God takes sin. But why? The truth that many don't realize is that there were countless situations throughout the Old Testament where his graciousness and mercy left the question open. God, are you really serious about sin or not? This brings me to the story of Gideon, one of Israel's first judges. A judge was a type of ruler before Israel had kings, and as usual, God was involved in appointing judges to lead people. The book of Judges chronicles many of these leaders, yet despite some of them being famous, like Samson, and accomplishing heroic deeds, the book of Judges is actually very depressing. It is a narrative of the flawed nature of man, full of example after example of why mankind cannot lead itself, and why it needs both a perfect king and a savior. In other words, the book of Judges is a collection of stories that are designed to point us to the need for Christ. Yet, this isn't the only thing we can discover in the book of Judges. As usual with scripture, God has embedded countless treasures for us to find through diligent reading and curiosity. 
With all of this in mind, I believe the story of Gideon specifically is full of pictures of God's grace and mercy. Mercy that, in the time of Gideon, before the perfect work of Christ on the cross, would call into question just how serious God actually was about sin and disobedience. We read in the beginning of Gideon's story in Judges 6 that he was the least of his clan and family. From the start, God makes sure that we know Gideon is basically a nobody so that his power is revealed, reminding us that nothing is impossible for God and that he can accomplish anything through our lives despite the circumstances. This is echoed later in the story when Gideon gathers a large army to do the Lord's assignments against Midian. God specifically tells Gideon to send most of the men home because the army is too large and that people would think it was by their own strength that they won rather than by the help of God. This point is so important to the story that God even gives us exact numbers. Gideon's forces are whittled down to 300 men, whereas his adversary is several tens of thousands. Talk about the original 300, right? Throughout the story, Gideon exemplifies the typical doubt in human condition all Bible characters have in common. In a famously bizarre interchange, Gideon asked God to perform a strange miracle with a fleece so that he would know for sure that God was serious. He does this twice, actually, and God is patient and gracious enough to entertain it. Instead of destroying Gideon on the spot for testing him, which is commanded in Deuteronomy 6 verse 16, God actually grants Gideon grace, twice, just so that he is reassured. Earlier before this situation, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon to inform him of his new commission from God. In our language, angel doesn't mean what it meant in Hebrew, because really, this should read more like messenger of the Lord. Yet, even this doesn't really do it justice, because anyone who reads the Bible regularly, especially the Old Testament, knows that the angel of the Lord claimed God's actions, received worship, and often spoke interchangeably with himself and God. Conclusion? Most people believe the angel of the Lord is actually a pre-incarnate revelation of Jesus, and for good reasons. The point is that God appeared to Gideon, And even in this first appearance, Gideon put God to the test by doubting God's plan for his life and questioning where God had been all these years while Israel was getting persecuted. Yet embedded in this little interchange is a fascinating picture of God's grace. Gideon offers God some food to eat as a way to test God's intentions, and the angel of the Lord instructs him to put it on some stones, proceeding to light them on fire supernaturally with his staff as a sacrifice offering. At this point, Gideon finally realizes who he's talking to and begins to fear for his life, because everyone knew that you couldn't just see God and live, let alone a holy, just, and perfectly powerful God who hates sin and will not be put to the test. Yet in verse 23 of chapter 6 in the book of Judges, we see God flip the script in his usual poetic fashion. Quote, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Does this remind you of something? This is what Christ said to his apostles after the resurrection. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. John 20, verse 19. Instead of killing Gideon on the spot for his doubt, testing, and questioning of God, God spoke peace over him and reassured him over and over again. We also see that the angel of the Lord burned the offering Gideon made, which is actually a picture of Christ's intercessory role as the high priest and mediator 
between us and God the Father. Without a perfect intercessor, grace would be impossible, and therefore living would be impossible. From the beginning, with God clothing Adam and Eve, all the way through Gideon and beyond, we see the same God with the same plan throughout all time. A God that not only sustains us and gives us life, but makes up for all of our shortcomings over and over again. Besides these events, Gideon also has several other ways that he disobeys God while on the job as a judge. Gideon's first task from God is to go destroy a nearby pagan altar, but because he was afraid of the people, he did it by night, something which God did not command him to do, and which was because of his lack of faith in God's protection. The Bible also tells us that during Gideon's pursuit of his enemies, he requested water and supplies from an Israelite town. They mocked him, and they didn't believe him, so when he returned with the proof of his victory, he burned the place down and executed the elders, all of which God did not command him to do. Toward the end of his career, Gideon had people everywhere contribute their earrings and golden jewelry to be melted down into an ephod, or a breastplate of sorts. It was about 20 kilograms worth of gold. The Bible tells us that this became an idol and was a snare for both Gideon and the Israelites. Yet the land enjoyed peace for 40 years nonetheless. Despite Gideon's countless failures, despite his questioning and testing of God, despite his humanity, we see a consistent picture of God's grace in action. Even just the fact that God would bother to pick these ragtag nobodies to do his will is a sign of his patience and grace. And truly, it is the foolish and unlikely things that God has chosen to reveal his power through. 1 Corinthians 1.27 These stories may often seem far removed from our experience or even irrelevant to our modern day, yet they are actually timeless reminders of who God is and what he wants. Nothing is impossible for God is another famous line given by both the angel of the Lord to Abraham and Sarah and by Jesus when he was talking to the rich man and regarding heaven. And it's stories like Gideon's that remind us of God's patience for our own failures, our own times when we have questioned him or his plan for our lives and our humanity. Yet above all, they remind us that despite this humanity, there is always grace. There's always a perfect, loving leader that has our back as a rock of salvation and has our front as a sword and shield. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's true. God has been God throughout all time. And what that means is that he will continue to be the same God in the future, merciful, gracious, and patient with our humanity. This is the anchor of our faith and our trust in him, and it is more sure than the rising of the sun. Yet we must also remember the sobering picture of the cross and what it took for us to receive that grace. For God to have acted so graciously in the Old Testament and so graciously after the cross, he had to prove just how serious he really was about sin, so that there would be no question as to his holiness and his sense of justice. That proof was the death of his only son, Jesus Christ, he who became sin who knew no sin, so that we might have the light of life.